The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Kate Andrews and I'm joined by our editor, Fraser Nelson, and Phil Collins, who wrote a column for The Times yesterday, which has everybody talking. Phil, you write that despite strong polling numbers, without lots of money to spend, the Labour Party looks lost, void of ideas. Talk us through your piece. Well, it's always struck me that the Labour Party has a model of change in government, which really relies on having extra money at its disposal to to then spend on social programmes. And in a time when, as Fraser points out in his response today, we're spending so much money on servicing debt in the wake of various crises, that puts the Labour Party in a very difficult position, which is it has to now devise a new way of changing things for the better, which perhaps rely on the reallocation of the current spending frame or imaginative ways of changing the world that don't cost money, all of which provides a really deep philosophical problem for a party which is quite quite statist and quite reliant on, on extra funding. And, and uh, I think that underlies what is, seems to be missing with the Starmer proposal, which is successfully, very successful politically, in the sense that Starmer's turned around a bad position to a good place, very likely to become the next prime minister, a perfectly competent and putative prime minister, and a competent, putative shadow chancellor in Rachel Reeves. And yet there's this strong sense that we don't quite know the flavour of them. And I was trying to get at that, what, what lies underneath that. Fraser, you write a rebuttal on Coffee House today that despite claims that money is scarce, you actually think there's quite a lot to go around. With the tax burden at a 70-year high, plenty of income is coming into the Treasury, and figures from the Office for National Statistics today show yet again that tax receipts are up. Self-assessment tax receipts in July were £2 billion higher than they were last year. So do you think Labour does have money to spend then? I guess, in a way, it's how you say it. Famously, Liam Byrne, then the Labour Chief Secretary of Treasury, left a note saying that there was no money left, which, of course, the coalition government loved to parade. But he didn't mean there was no money left. There was staggering amounts of money coming in. I think in in 2010, there was something like £645 billion in today's money coming into the government. And now there's even more money. I think it's closer to £850 billion. uh, And that's forecast to rise to almost a trillion pounds in the year 2027. So there is staggering amounts of money coming in every single week. The problem they face isn't a lack of money. The promise, the problem they face is that there is so much spending. So in, in, in 2010, for example, it was the gap between the money coming in and the spending. That was the real problem. That was the deficit. So you would get, you know, 645 billion off um, taxation um, at the end of the Labour government. But when you looked at the amount of spending, it was closer to 900 billion, a fair old gap between tax and spending. And that gap is, again, pretty big now. I think we're uh, closer to 1.1 trillion in spending at the moment, um, which is a fair gap from uh, against 150 billion more. So it's the gap that matters, and that gap is created, I think, because spending is out of control. Because we've had years of fiscal incontinence from a Conservative government who, at every dangerous turn, has simply tried to spend their way out of it, whether it's 
give more money to the NHS or whether it's to throw um, money at this pet project or that pet project. Even Rishi Sunak has got his pet projects. He wants to spend billions of pounds on scientific research, which you'd argue ought to be best done by um, scientists in the independent sector, not by the government. So the only option that a Labour government will have will not be to increase taxation. It's already uh, the biggest burden that we've had in peacetime history. We're being taxed more in real terms than Gordon Brown or even Dennis Healy dare to do. So unless you think there is potential to tax us more and Labour say the reverse, then the only option is to restrain spending. Now, when the coalition government tried that, Labour had a word for it. They called it austerity. I think that austerity is going to end up being what the Starmer government is going to have to do. Not because there is no money left, but simply because there is so much spending which has got out of control and the government machine which has grown out of all proportion to its usefulness. And Fraser, this is the point, is it, that lack of public policy? Because I think what you and Phil are are both suggesting here is that if you want more flexibility, if you want to be able to spend money on things that you actually care about, not what you're being forced to spend it on, then you're going to have to have some kind of level of reform. In addition to those self-assessment tax payments this morning, we also got an update from the ONS that public sector net debt has hit 2.35% trillion pounds. The government keeps insisting that this is set to fall, but it's not. That's based on a very relaxed fiscal rule that they have to get debt falling as a percentage of GDP, but the actual debt stock is only going in one direction, and that is up, estimated to rise to about 2.5 trillion by the next parliament. So if you want to tackle these debt interest payments, and and that debt stock keeps rising, um, if you want to have money to spend on other areas, you're going to have to get something under control. You're going to have to look at these welfare payments. You're going to have have to look at what we're spending on the NHS. Do you think the Labour government is ready and willing to have those conversations? Yes, I'm just looking at it from a different lens. I mean, either you say there's, when you say there's no money left, it's a metaphor. And I don't think there's a lack of tax revenue. If there was, it'd be quite easy for Keir Starmer to, to remedy if he thought taxes were too low and they could go up. I don't hear many people in the Labour Party saying that taxes are too low and they should go up. In fact, I hear the opposite. And that's an interesting point, isn't it, Phil, that the Labour Party doesn't feel totally comfortable with the tax burden as it is now. And and that would suggest that whatever decisions they make next, they're going to have to be really, really cautious about the price tag attached to those decisions. Yes, absolutely. I, I think Fraser and me do largely agree on the, on the framework. And it is, yes, I mean, it is a metaphor. And the options that Fraser is left with are both of them fairly uncomfortable for the Labour Party. As you say, there's nobody in the Labour Party really advocating for major tax reform, let alone reduction in the burden of tax. And there's no appetite at all. In fact, a great deal of capital has been made against the idea of what they called austerity. So those two options don't really commend themselves to a Labour Party. But I I wonder then what does because you can say blithely that the other option, of course, is that we get a significant increase in the growth rate and therefore grow the, the amount of money available. Well, that's very easy to say, and every government says it, uh, and, and I'm not going to pretend that I've got some magical policy that's going to procure that uh, in the next couple of minutes. So you're left then, I think, with the the thought of what can you do imaginatively with the current uh, amount of money, gradually getting control of the of the debt numbers, so your your available resources uh, increase slowly. But can you deploy the money more imaginatively than we do at the moment? 
if we were to start with a blank sheet of paper with the overall amount of public spending and think what's the optimal way we could use this money, I very, very much doubt we'd end up with it. We'd end up purchasing the government we currently have. Um, I know in the real world, you can't do that. You can't start from um, from scratch. But some sort of swapping process within departments strikes me as in, as the only sort of option you've got if you haven't thought through um, any other way and if you are reluctant to to take the measures that um, Fraser suggests. Uh, just one other thought. I think in a way it's a testament to a changed Labour Party that we're even having this conversation because Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves do take the demands of fiscal conservatism more seriously than previous Labour leaderships have done. Now, it, one option in this conversation is to simply to say, well, never mind. Let's just carry on. Let's borrow more. I mean, you've seen in the dispute between Ed Miliband and Rachel Reeves over the summer about spending on not very well-defined infrastructure projects, £28 billion, a number plucked from nowhere. Um, and Rachel Reeves, when she kind of looked at it and thought, well, hang on a minute. No, I don't think we're in a position where that kind of borrowing is something we can add to our burden. Now, that would certainly not have been a conversation we'd had under the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn, not either, I think, under the leadership of Ed Miliband himself. So I think the Starmer and Reeves are taking this seriously. And to that, and that I think, explains why they are candidates for office. What I don't yet see is any great imaginative thinking about what to do about it. And it's difficult if you rule out the options Fraser sets out. And that's where I think Labour is at the moment. That's, that's I think, explains the sense of quite slight emptiness at the heart of it all. It's a, sort of a, a political project with that, that is not rooted in ideas. And the really successful political projects are both politically savvy, uh, they chart a way to power, but it's the, the, the policies they have are resonant because they're rooted to an I, ideas, to an ideological base. And I don't think the left, this is not just about Keir Starmer, by the way. In fact, the point of my column is it's very much not about Keir Starmer. This is something which I think is a big question and which afflicts um, the SPD in Germany and afflicts the Democrats in, in the States. Although, though, interestingly, the Democrats do have essentially decided to, to spend their way through. I mean, it's a vast infrastructure package. I wonder, Phil, if, if the U.S. is almost the exception that proves the rule, because with the reserve currency, the U.S. is always in a position where it can be a little more fiscally reckless and get away with it. And there are growing questions in the U.S. about whether or not this really will be consequence free. But the U.S. is almost going to be the last country to show the problems, whereas all the other countries are recognizing that this era of cheap money is is well and truly come to an end. Well, I think that might be right. And I, I say in the piece that I, I don't think that the um, the American example will translate well to Britain. Uh, there's a certain temptation in the shadow cabinet to look to, to Joe Biden and what he's doing there as an exemplar of what they might do, because successful left of centre governments are pretty scarce on the ground. I, and I don't think in the end, Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer will, will stop there, because I think they are fiscal conservative enough to understand the political vulnerability the Labour Party faces if it pursues that route. Uh, and, and Fraser, this question about public policy is the biggest one. 
isn't it? Uh, because uh, in, in addition to the update we had about interest rate payments uh, this morning from the Office for National Statistics and self-assessment tax payments, we also had an update on public sector net debt. Now, the government keeps claiming that it's on track to see this fall, but quite the opposite is true. They're talking about a very loose fiscal rule to get debt down as a percentage of GDP, but we know that the stock of debt keeps rising. It's up to $2.3 trillion, and it's estimated to rise to $2.5 trillion by the next parliament. If you want to, A, have more flexibility with money to spend on the projects you care about, and B, want to address how much it's costing to service this increasing level of debt, you're going to have to be willing to reform welfare. You're going to have to be willing to reform healthcare. Do you see any sign of making those big decisions in the Labour Party right now? Or do you agree with Phil that when it actually comes to the public policy, they're quite lost? I can see the basis of a solution for both of these things. It's my opinion, and I could be wrong in this, that the only option that Labour government will be left with is to reform welfare. I think this is the uh, the greatest culpable failure of the Conservative government is that they have now turned a blind eye to something like 5.4 million people on out-of-work benefits. In our great cities like Manchester, Birmingham, we've got something like 16% of working-age people um, on out-of-work benefits. And this is at a time of a worker shortage crisis. So this is a waste of human life. It's also a waste of money. And it's a problem which is too big, big for the Conservatives to, to, to cope with right now. They're in a state of denial. They're congratulating themselves for the success of the pre-lockdown welfare reform, which, you know, was, um, was a success, but lockdown changed everything. And in the old days, the problem was moving people from unemployment onto work. Now it's moving people off sickness benefits at a time where they're claiming sickness benefits at the rate of 5,000 a day. That is completely unsustainable. Uh, The Conservatives haven't tackled this, and to me it's a very progressive cause. It wasn't so long ago that um, that James Purnell, even Gordon Brown back in opposition, were the Labour figures talking in progressive left-wing terms about the need to move people out of the welfare trap, back into work, the dignity of work is better for the taxpayer, is better for everybody. Now, this is a difficult, perhaps politically the most difficult question to do, because if you get welfare reform wrong, you can be accused of being heartless. I think that Brown's own um, reforms ended when the disabled chained themselves to the railings in Parliament to, in a protest against it. After that, the whole agenda was pretty much shelved until James Purnell, um, as DWP secretary, picked it up again in the last years of the Labour government. But I do think that the, the Keir Starmer has got two big assets. One of them is West Streeting, the, um, the Shadow Health Secretary. The other one is Jonathan Ashworth, Shadow Work and Pensions. Both of these guys, I think, are serious, they're well-intentioned, they're reform-minded, and both of them have got a potentially very big job ahead of them if they can persuade the rest of the party to buy in. Because reforming the NHS will not be easy. Reforming welfare will not be easy. What I don't see right now is... uh, I think that, that Starmer's got these two talented, sincere, and impressive people in work in the right job. So credit for getting the right people in the right place. 
where, where they've struggled is to really brace the party for what's to come, to make the intellectual case, to make the moral case for reforming welfare and for reforming the NHS. They talk vaguely about tough decisions, but I sometimes wonder if either of them were hit by a bus, who would take their place and be similarly reform-minded. So at the moment, I would say the reform agenda is there in embryonic form with these two guys, if they manage to get a remit from Keir Starmer to properly reform, they're able to do it. But I just simply cannot see any other way. I don't think it's possible for the NHS to survive another five years without being given the reform which is overdue. And I think it will ironically fall to a Labour government to do what the Tories were too scared to do. And when it comes to welfare reform, there is a long and proud progressive tradition of welfare reform, which I think Starmer will have to rediscover. And um, Ashworth, I think, is the right man to deliver it. Phil and Fraser, thanks for joining me.